Hey guys, just a quick note here. It's July the 31st of 2019, and I just wanted to say hello. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, ignore this as a very random way to start off the podcast. But for those of you that are regular listeners or maybe listeners of the Bad Christian Podcast, you guys know I've been kind of climbing out of a hole recently, have had a uh, pretty significant bout with depression. It's been a pretty rough ride and um, airing this episode that was recorded in early to mid-June around the time when I started to feel pretty bad. I didn't know how bad it was going to get at the time, uh, but it is an example of uh, kind of gritting my teeth and muscling through a podcast. I appreciate the time that the guest gave us, and um, you'll hear the angle of where I'm coming from on this podcast here in a second, but just wanted to up dated time july 31st 2019 say hello and i hope you enjoy this episode that was recorded a couple of months ago you guys have a special day part of me does not even want to release this episode honestly because i'm kind of in a place where i really do love the church brothers and sisters all around the world but especially the church that i'm a part of called seacoast church brothers and sisters that are very dear to me that are there for me and you know we're a family but it's easy to see that this that church culture is definitely turning into something a little bit extra than church and what I mean by that is kind of getting your name out there and having lists of what the most influential churches are and the most highly attended attended churches are and talking about downloads of sermons and uh, book sales and celebrity pastors and all of that stuff it's becoming like a it's a it's a thing and you know I think that a lot of the churches that tried to get their name out there or try to get their worship tunes out there I believe a lot of them are with good intentions but I believe just like with anything that humans do it's always muddied with some stuff that's not not too good and so as we take an honest look we also see the evidence of this that there are pastors that are falling into some majorly troublesome things it's just obvious we see it all the time and so I find that we're kind of in a place to where talking about the ugly side of things is seen as being judgmental and divisive. And I think that when we adopt that approach, we are operating off the assumption that, oh, if the church is doing it, then it's good. Or if the church is doing it, then you can't say anything about it because then you are being divisive and I don't think that's fair nor healthy fair because there are people that are honestly hurt by the church and unhealthy because it kind of sets up pastors and church organizations as untouchables that just kind of get to go about their business without anybody saying anything about you know things that aren't that great things that should actually be critiqued and criticized and 
looked at maybe with a little bit more of a microscope. And so today, that is the purpose of this. As a church like Elevation Church becomes huge, of course, there's a lot of good things being talked about. And this guy, uh, Stephen Furtick, is just an amazing speaker. And there's so much good press and then obviously we know about a lot of the negative press as well but the reason for me being a little hesitant in airing this episode is because part of me feels like hey I don't want to be divisive I don't want to be a naysayer I don't want to judge my brother shall I say Uh, but in the grand scheme of things I think that the conversation does need to be two-sided because there is no one that is completely above reproach. There is no one that is actually doing everything perfectly correct. And so as the body of Christ, as long as it is done in love, we do need to have open conversations. We do need to call people out, whether we're right or wrong. Is, Is it okay to call somebody out and actually be wrong about it? I think that as the church continues, we've got to learn how to do these sorts of things and have these sorts of conversations for the greater health of it all. So that is why I'm airing this episode and uh, hope that we can take some things away from it. All right. Well, we are here with James Floyd, and I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I'll let James uh, tell a little bit about himself. But before we do that, so basically, I was on the uh, Preachers and Sneakers Instagram, and uh, homeboy over there finally hit up Stephen Furtick. I was I was waiting to see uh, when that would happen. If you're not familiar with Preachers and Sneakers, uh, Google it. Basically, a very, very creative idea that just posts pictures of pastors and the attire that they're wearing or their shoes that they're wearing and simply a price tag and, you know, basically informs people how much they're spending on their clothes and shoes and letting people decide for themselves whether it's uh, whether it's over the top but I saw that James was a former employee at elevation if I'm if I'm not mistaken and some of the stuff that that he said in the um, in the comment section were very familiar to me as I have uh, one of my closest friends from back in college his uh, his little brother worked at Elevation as well. And so some of the stuff that James said, I was like, man, I've heard that exact sort of thing. And I just thought to myself, well, let's let's get James on here and talk about it. But before I do that, I want to tell our listeners that my aim here is simply to have a conversation that I think is relevant. The hype about Elevation is out there. Many people are enamored uh, with Stephen Furtick. They love everything he does, love everything he says. And so my question is, can we not talk about the stuff that may not be good? And my philosophy about myself, for instance, so I'm I'm not famous. I am a co-host of Bad Christian Podcast. A good good number of people in the Christian community have have heard about us and and listened, but nowhere near the sort of celebrity status as, as Stephen Furtick. But even for me, I take the philosophy of if if my stuff is out there for public listening. I want there to be 
complete open dialogue for people to say, Joey, you're full of it. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I want people to, to be at liberty to say these things without being critiqued as bad people or divisive. Because if I don't take that approach, then maybe I'm assuming that what I say should just stand and just be out there for everyone to nod their heads in, in agreement. And that's just not how humanity, I, I don't think, is supposed to work, especially in the church. So that doesn't mean that there are not out assholes out there that uh, that are, are trying to be divisive and, and throw stones maybe in an unhealthy way. But I'm really sick of Christians building huge platforms and then when other people are watching and maybe feel the need to call BS on something they're labeled as divisive. So this leads me to a more direct thought about Elevation Church specifically. I think a lot of it, for the record, is absolutely wrong. I think Stephen Furtick has clearly some wrong trains of thought, some wrong ways of carrying himself. But I also want to love this guy as a fellow human being. And I will say this, by the way, I think he's one of the most gifted, talented speakers I've ever heard in my life. Maybe the most gifted. That doesn't mean I agree with his message, but this dude is incredibly talented. I've heard him so many times and I'm just sitting there shaking my head in disbelief. I'm like, good gosh, this dude is so unbelievable with a microphone. So, that's my little spiel. I want to welcome James Floyd onto the podcast. I thank you for your time and any insight that you can give us. But before you do that, tell us what your background is, uh, your relation to the church in general, and then your background with Elevation. And welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, well, basically, uh, my background is... Um my both my parents were pastors growing up my grandparents were pastors like i came from like a, a church family yeah. um and i think uh growing up the whole you hear all these different things about what church should be and what it should look like and what you should be um and eventually that led me to uh fresh out of high school um i think maybe only a couple months after i graduated uh applying to be just an intern at elevation yeah. um so I uh, never I never was like a uh, full-time employee, but um, I was close enough to uh, to some of the higher yeah. up people. I, I was uh, an aide for the creative uh, development and creative management team uh, on their Matthews Yeah, and you campus. got to know the culture for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, you were uh, you didn't have a choice not to get to know right. the first day. It almost felt like. Um, like boot camp or something. It was uh, it was just very very intense from the get go. Yeah, yeah. So, so, what you know? What are some of the things that you've? Uh, well, 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 let me back up here. First of all, do, do you consider yourself a Christian still? Um, I'm not really sure. Okay. I'm in I'm in a position right now where I'm okay, not really having a title sure, or anything. Fair enough. And I uh, are, definitely am still captivated by by scripture and stuff like that, but I'm not sure. Sure, sure. And are you currently involved in a church in any way, shape, or form as an attender? No. Okay, cool, cool. So looking back on your time at Elevation, can you give us a snapshot of what the culture was like and maybe some specific examples, including some of the stuff that you put out there on Preachers and Sneakers Instagram post? Yeah, well, uh, so like I said, from first day, it was very intense. Um, it felt really, um, 
if you've ever done any work in the corporate world, especially like something in PR or something, it was very, it was very, uh, very much like that. Like the very first couple days was uh, really intense in the way that they spoke about what they were doing, but also very um, bubblegum happy. If that they makes give you all one of those um, coloring books to, to fill out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we did have to cut a bunch of those pages up. We had to we had to cut like. 3,000 of these pages, we had to just sit there and cut them throughout the, throughout the day. Wait, wait, like cut, um, up, cut them out for the kids to use or cut them out of the, what do you mean? Cut them out for the kids, for the kids gotcha. to use. Gotcha. Yeah. And for, for yeah, our so. listeners that may not be aware, Stephen Furtick started Elevation, I want to say around 2009-ish. And as, as a very young guy from the Charleston area, set out to Charlotte uh, to build a huge church, and it is a huge church. Uh, I guess one of the most downloaded uh, pastors uh, as far as his sermon podcast and all of that and and the coloring book reference you can actually Google do you know just type in Stephen Furtick coloring book and it's basically for the kids to color a picture of Stephen Furtick and there's like a at the bottom it says something along the lines of this is our pastor we follow his vision and you know it it's not out of bounds to say it's it's very indoctrinal uh indoctrinization uh esque um and in my opinion seems to be pretty unhealthy as well but continue on so yeah it was uh it's definitely it was about it was about Furtick from the get go from the very first day it was uh they would never use words like um our vision or something like that they would always go like pastor's vision um no one called him steven no one they all called him pastor no matter what um and i i remember the very first day uh, i was sitting in um this little introduction course they were doing and uh, it was being taught by chunks who's like kind of the guy who handles most of the business stuff um he was one of the founders of the church uh one of furtick's friends and um I remember he was sitting there talking to us. It was like teaching, preaching. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's very talking about the business aspect of it, but then using scripture right. to give it some spiritual stuff behind it. Um, and uh, one of the main things that he uh, impressed on us was um, don't talk to Furtick. <laughs> um, the words they use specifically, and uh, I wish I still had the paper, but I even had uh, had this little outline of how you should act yeah. as an employee. And uh, the words they used were, uh, don't approach f- approach Furtick and be that guy. That guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I guess it, it, it felt like uh, if you were to discuss anything with Furtick that you would be so far removed from who he is as a person and as, who his calling is and everything that um, you would just be wasting his time. So it almost, they don't want it almost feels like a, hey, we're acknowledging that the leader of this church is a celebrity there's no point in talking to a famous person because you don't know them, so just leave them alone kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it kind of felt like um, if Steve Jobs is walking through, right. like, you, they, you you wouldn't want, want somebody to stop him and ask to tell him a joke. Do you know what I mean? Because it would just be weird. And that was the whole culture thing. <laughs> so, it was like, do not waste his time. So literally, if, if, uh, if James Floyd is let's just say the rare occasion that you're walking down a hall in, at, at Elevation Church and who knows maybe this would never happen because of how he carries himself but you're walking uh in one direction Stephen Fur pastor Stephen Furtick is walking in the opposite direction and it's just you two 
with the instructions and the training, the Stephen Furtick training uh, that you receive, what would you need to do? Could you say, hi, Pastor Stephen Furtick, or just ignore him? You're kind of supposed to, um, it, the, it, very, it felt like you're supposed to say hi, but you're not really supposed to like look him in the eye. Do you know what I mean? Like, Don't look for conversation. And uh, I learned pretty quick um, that the way that you carry yourself around Furtick, even in terms of what you wear around him, is really important. Uh, so, like, I was wearing these um, cheap, like, JVC headphones I got from uh, a gas station um, on my way on my way down to Charlotte. Um, so I was wearing those around my neck, and they had this, like, kind of cool holographic effect, I guess you could say, on them. And he saw it, and he, like, walked over to me with, like, his jaw open, just like, oh, like, what are those? Because they looked cool. Um, and he's like, what are these? And I was like, oh, they're just like cheapos. And he goes like, oh, okay. And like turns and walks away. And that was my whole interaction with him. And then later my boss pulled me aside and reprimanded me for wearing something that would distract him from his day. Whoa, 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 whoa. You were, you were <laughs> reprimanded from wearing something that distracted Stephen Furtick? Yeah, it was, uh, it was one of the weirdest <laughs> oh interactions gosh. I've ever had. I didn't wear the headphones anymore. In fact, I actually wound up covering the holograph thing with elevation stickers, which is kind of, looking back, is super weird. I mean, um, did did you, uh, you were probably so stunned, you didn't know what to say, but did you respond and say, what, what is that even supposed to mean? How, I mean, what if you wore a bright uh, red shirt and Stephen Furtick noticed it? I mean, is that off, uh, is that out of bounds as well? <laughs> back then, especially with like who I was back then, I definitely did not speak up. I yeah. just like was very apologetic. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. Didn't wear them anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah it was just it was bizarre it was yeah wow so you know i i'm i'm getting to know you for the first time i think people can make their call on uh you know uh, i I don't even i don't even want people to listen to me and buy into everything i'm saying so i don't want people to hear you out and and take your word for it but make their own decisions and so some of the some of the things i'm going to tell you it's it's basically hearsay i wasn't at elevation when this happened uh, I did hear it from very trustworthy sources, but hey, it's totally up to the listeners. You can say, hey, you weren't there, so you don't know what you're talking about. And that's totally fine. Um, but it's enough evidence for me to say, yeah, that probably happened. But uh, is it? I have heard that when he walks into a room, it's absolutely mandatory for you to stand up. Am I correct? Oh, yeah, totally. That was uh, That was probably the second most important rule behind don't talk to him. Yeah was when he walks in the room, you stop working, you stand up. You'll hear people, like, as he walks through the room, they just kind of mutter, like, hi, Pastor. And he just kind of, like, does that thing where he's walking. It felt like, um, almost like when paparazzi talk to celebrities, how they just kind of wave him off. They're like, hey, 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 how you doing? Right. Just like that, just, like, walking through. Um, and he, that would happen uh, three to four times a day during the workday because he would have to go and shoot a video in the sanctuary or something like that. And to be able to get from the sanctuary, he had to walk through the creative department. Um, so we had we had to stop three or four times a day. And, and just stand, stand up, up and, by your computers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was very. It was really weird. Like I like I feel like there should have been like a national anthem playing oh or something when gosh. he walked in, just to really make it a whole thing. Now, so I have uh, I've been in the same room with uh, Rick Warren, and one thing that I was very impressed about, and I, and I I know that there is. Uh, likely some strategy behind this too but to be honest uh the the little bit i know about rick warren it seems to be a, a lot of a lot more genuineness than most people at at his uh status and he actually took the time 
uh, you know, there was a room of about 40 people, most of them just church attenders, and he actually took the time to go up to everyone personally, shake their hand, and, you know, say, my name's Rick Warren, nice to meet you, and that sort of thing. Did did Stephen Furtick make any sort of effort to have those sort of personal human-to-human contact, or did he just he just own the whole status of don't talk to me unless I talk to you sort of thing? I, I've met a lot of um, mega church pastors, and I know some other celebrity pastors and stuff, just from my parents' business and stuff like that, doing uh, church stuff. And I would, Furtick was probably the most aloof dude I've ever met. Yeah, like it was, uh, it was almost like um, I don't know. It was in the Christian world, it's like seeing like Brad Pitt or something. Like they're probably just going to keep walking. Like just, it's one of those. It's like a plus list. Yeah, uh, in the evangelical church world, like so. Yeah, he was definitely part of the whole like don't talk to me it was never an angry or mean thing i never got that vibe from him but it was just like he couldn't be bothered yeah i mean do you have you ever especially during your time there did you ever think critically like man am i missing something like is there is there potentially some good strategy and maybe him not getting caught up with 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 different people and maybe he just needs to stay focused like were there times when you were trying to give maybe some reason and make sense in your brain and give him the benefit of the doubt you know does that make sense oh, i uh i the only thing i had in my brain at that time was reasons for why that would be okay because you didn't have totally any choice almost it. right well it wasn't even that i didn't even know that i had the I, the ability to have a choice in that it was one of those things i was just completely and totally bought in and I was uh, excited by it all, and uh, that was my whole world at that point. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it was just, it was something I didn't even question. Yeah. So another another uh, story that I heard was during the holidays. So so first of all, I will, uh, I will affirm what you're saying, that uh, the, the story that I heard, um, you know, my friend's brother was definitely reprimanded for speaking very kindly to Stephen Furtick. Um, there was a situation in which a person approached uh, their boss and basically said, hey, I'm pulling all-nighters, I just got married, I really need a, a different sort of uh, schedule for the project. So basically this person was a graphic designer and had all sorts of stuff lying at him and literally was working maybe double time, 80 hours. Um, yeah. um, so basically he uh, informed the his supervisor of the concern and uh, was told in one way, shape, or form, hey, there's a lot of people that would love to have your job. So in other words, oh, yeah. stop the complaining or get another job. We're not adjusting anything. Yeah, that that's uh, so. My actual whole deal was sending out uh, jobs to the to the graphic designers. Yeah. I didn't I didn't apply for that job. I actually applied for uh, the worship team, but they were in the middle of recording an album, so they just didn't take interns. But my resume was, I guess, tight enough to caught somebody's eye in creative management. Um, and uh, the amount of jobs that were sent out to designers, it felt like crunch time 100% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, the, it was a very, um, very almost manic work energy at certain times in the creative department. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know what it was like in the business side, like, uh, doing that stuff, but on the creative side, it was, uh, every, you were always on. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and uh, the last one that I will tell is basically during the holidays, it was presented to, I think think every employee at elevation that they 
had permission on a schedule, a very strict schedule. I don't know if it was five minutes per person, uh, but they could go into his office bearing a gift and have, again, three to five minutes with him and then obviously leave their gift, leave the office for someone else to come in and do the same thing. Were you there when that happened? And I, I, I can't confirm whether or not that's a fact or not, but once again, a story that I heard from what I would call a credible person. Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't there around the holidays, yeah. so I never experienced that. But with um, the way that the staff, even staff that had been there for years, kind of um, approached Furtick as not only as a person, but as a topic, that wouldn't really shock me too yeah. much that they would... Uh, be super stoked for three to five minutes and that they could give him a gift Um, it's just that kind of uh, celebrity status that he has even in his own church yeah and it was communicated in a way of like this is a gift for you like you get to you Mm -hmm. get to go in there and give him a gift you should be very thankful i mean i they i don't have to ask you or i don't think i have to ask you whether or not you agree with all of this stuff that we're talking about but i but i'm curious like how would you answer the question and and i don't think either one of us has uh, a desire to really judge and critique someone's heart but i also think that we can look at someone's actions and and make some guesses and and have a conversation and i don't think anybody's above having people having conversations about them but like how would you answer the question i mean at the end of the day is does this guy have good intentions like is he a is he a good guy sort of thing i think uh less to Furtick, but and more to his staff. I, I will. I do want to say that, like, I I believe almost everyone there is in it because they really believe it. Um, that they are really there to. They really believe that what they are doing is the correct way to do things. Um, that Furtick is the correct guy to follow. Um, I mean, they spoke about him in the same sentence as some of the great prophets, like Elijah and Elijah stuff like that. Are you just serious? Like very very intense. Yeah, just very intense. Um, so is there a and Stephen Furtick epistle coming to be added to? <laughs> I uh, I think I think we'll have to see what comes down the line on his book deals. Wow! But I yeah, there will be something written. Wow! Um, but it's um I don't know. I think that Furtick, I believe that he started out with the right intentions, and I still I don't I don't think that. Well, I I mean again I can't judge completely, but. I didn't get the vibe that um, it was all a sham to him. Yeah. Um, but I do think that um, when you start to uh, get high in your own supply, you start to view yourself as a different kind of on a different level than other people. Right. It's like the Kanye effect. Right. Enough people tell you that you're this, then you believe that about yourself as well. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I think that he's probably just a little lost in the weeds. Yeah. And whether or not he recognizes that, um, or if he even wants to recognize yeah. that, I don't know. And and I, and I like what you're saying, and and I don't, you know. Again, I'm I'm not ambitious to to just speak negative, but didn't he set out with the vision of basically I'm it's it's my vision of this church, and you're, you're with me or you're against me, and I mean mm-hmm. it seems like he set a precedence early on. Uh, probably something along the lines of what you and I would call zero accountability. Like no one can push back against what I'm doing here. I mean, what, what does accountability look like for him? Is there such, does he have people that can push back and say, Whoa, dude, let's 
you know, let's rethink this or, hey, man, maybe you should answer a little more honestly about that gigantic house and actually say that it is indeed big. Like, don't say that it's not big. It is. I mean, is there mm-hmm. anyone that can speak to him like that? Um, You know, I don't... Uh when I was there, and like, like I said, this was um, this was years ago at this point. So, in my experience, the person that seemed to be closest to him was uh, Craig Groeschel of Life Church. Um, he came in, and uh, I remember we were sitting in a meeting once, and um, Craig was there, and uh, he was talking to the staff. And uh, as an intern, I did I wasn't like in the know about everything that is going yeah. on behind the scenes, but um, he was just tearing into the elevation staff talking about how they need to get their hearts right. Rochelle was? And, um, how, yeah, Grish, yeah. And I, I actually walked away with that with, uh, I mean, I don't know the guy at all, but like a pretty, a good amount of respect for him because he was talking about like, um, he said like, you guys have the attitude of like, oh, we're elevation. He said, you could be nothing tomorrow if you, if you continue to do this way. Um, and so I, I don't know behind the scenes whether anyone's talking to Furtick and saying like, "Is this right or is this right?" I don't, and uh, and even if they are, if they're other megachurch pastors, you know, it's it's a whole system that supports itself. Right. Um, and if they're having to tell him to do certain things, they'll probably have to do the same thing as yeah. well. And I don't think majority of them want to do that. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, my my guess too, and I think it's a pretty darn good one is, I would say. The ability that uh, Stephen Furtick has in front of the multitudes, I would imagine he can also filter the same sort of influence and um, charisma in one-on-one situations. And if there is someone that keeps him accountable, I'd imagine Stephen Furtick's probably pretty good at presenting himself and his ministry and all of his endeavors in a pretty positive, humble light. In fact... There was, um, I forgot what it was called. I don't know if it was called the White Elephant or something like that. But basically, it was a group of celebrity pastors. The one I watched, I think, had T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Mark Driscoll, and a couple of other guys. And I literally watched Stephen Furtick, and I was like, oh, my gosh. That dude's, like, really humble. Like, I can't believe how he's saying stuff and the look on his face. And he doesn't seem to be full of himself or anything like that. I I mean, people that are as gifted as Stephen Furtick is at what he's doing are also gifted in how he presents himself in any circumstance. I mean, we're talking brilliance here. I've seen Mark Driscoll in public, and I truly, and I confirmed this with my friends Matt and Toby who worked at Mars Hill. Everything is calculated. Mm -hmm. Everything is calculated. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I. what makes somebody good for a uh, a position or a job like mega church pastor is being in a hell of a, a hell of a speaker yeah. and being incredible at PR. Yeah. Um. And Furtick, Furtick just has that. And uh, with the, I, I, it's almost a legend that they built up around him, his people. Um. I mean, I was watching this. Uh, there's this documentary that they gave us all, um, called "This Is How We Change the World," and the whole thing was centered on Furtick. It was supposed to be a documentary about the church, but it like started out with like photos of him as a baby and like talking about how special he was and how he's been chosen by God from day one, stuff like that. Um, Gosh. And when you have that legend built around yourself, I mean, you see it all the time in politics. You see it all the time 
uh, and celebrity worship. It's the same thing. It just has uh, a fresh coat of paint, and the paint happens to be like a cross gosh. on it. That's just oh my gosh, that's so tough, so tough to hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how does is there any sort of because I because I don't listen to Stephen Furtick. I mean, I've heard s- snippets here and there, and like I said, I've been to conferences, and he's actually uh, talked to our staff years and years ago. Like, is there any teaching that justifies him being so unlike Jesus? Like, it's it seems like most pastors, if you if you asked, hey, is, uh, should we try to model our lives after how Jesus did his life? I think every pastor would know to say yes, absolutely, and I think maybe in their heart of hearts mm-hmm. they even believe that to be true. How does how mm-hmm. does Stephen Furtick align his behavior and methods to how Jesus was in the Gospels? Is that even addressed? You know, I um, I again, I can't I can't speak about him personally, yeah. like on a one on one kind of. You know, he could be a guy that is just um, still like navigating this himself, right. you know, and struggling himself. I I don't necessarily see that evidence for that, but uh, I don't know. But in terms of um, the way he addresses it, I think that, uh, and I'm not even sure if these lessons are available on their website. It might be in the archives now. Uh, but he did a series on honor years ago, and it was like the whole series was called Honor. And uh, in that, he speaks openly about staff standing up when he walks in the room. Um, he speaks openly about um, the way that great prophets were treated, and then he parallels that with the way he's treated by his staff. Um, so, like, I. Uh, it was either Elijah or Elisha. I think it was Elijah. He had his, uh, whoever was following him, um, he had, uh, he was carrying all his things for him. And then he also drew the parallel of the Roman soldier and the servant boy, stuff yeah. like that, um, to illustrate the respect that you should give a pastor. Um, and so I think that uh, in terms of living like Jesus, I think Furtick sees it more as... Um, Almost the way that, like I said, like keep bringing them up, but like Elijah and Elisha yeah. were chosen and called by God, like as a really intense prophet uh, figure in these people's right. lives. Right. Watch us get to heaven, and Jesus is like, I made him for this. You guys doubted him. <laughs> I, he doesn't even die. He just gets taken away by chariots of fire. Totally. And we're just like left standing like, Ooh. Yeah, like Stephen Furtick <laughs> may be the greatest human currently, and we're all just missing it. I, I legit, <laughs> legitimately don't believe that. But uh, when, so when... If, if that's the case, take down the episode. <laughs> <laughs> when did uh, when did you sniff start to sniff something out? Were you there at the time? Were you still an intern where you're like, wait a second, this just can't be right? right or was it after the fact you know years later what's your journey on on you and it elevation? was it was years years later um i uh it, I, I was let's see so i was maybe i think i was 18 when i was at elevation i was either 17 or 18 um and uh, i probably didn't start to confront some uncomfortable truths about that whole experience and my experience with the church at large until I was maybe 22, yeah. 23. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm 26 now. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was almost like, um, it felt like a gut punch. It felt like, uh, it really deeply saddened me. It felt like somebody that you know had almost betrayed you. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause you, you do this with very pure intentions and with, the idea that what you're doing is uh, for God, 
and um, not only just for an idea of God, but for like Jesus. And uh, you feel like you're doing the right thing. And then when you look back on it and you have to question, what, was anything I did even ethically okay yeah. in the, some of those situations? Like the, the pride aspect that you get from working in environments like that and, work, and doing the work of the church, uh, I think that a lot of people don't confront that issue. Yep. And uh, that leads to people like Furtick, to people like just megachurch buku bucks celebrity pastors yeah yeah i mean and it's and it's why it's conversations like this that make me so thankful to to still have the opportunity to work at a church and Mm -hmm. uh, and and not to even come close to this sort of culture i mean in fact when our lead pastor walks into a room sometimes we'll stand up just for a good laugh and it it makes our (laughs) pastor face turn red and like please sit down and then sometimes you know one or two of us because we love the guy and we know that there's a a lot of stuff that's on his mind that's maybe not on our mind just kind of like hey we love our leader you know you you want a more comfortable seat sort of thing and and it's always kind of like a get out of here like stop with this stuff i'll Mm. sit off in the corner and and that sort of thing and it's just it's just these kind of things are amazing to me like what you're saying because i don't understand how people fall into it i just but but the my only guess is he's so charismatic and so influential and so good at what he does that a lot of people uh, including yourself including me at moments and and listening to him and everything you're just kind of taken in you're just kind of captivated and um, I, you know, I speculate too because, <clears throat> because in my opinion, the fruit is so clearly misguided as far as the, you know, we didn't even touch on the, uh, the, what do you call it when people fake wanting to get baptized and, uh, you oh, know, yeah, the spontaneous baptisms, yeah. quote unquote, spontaneous. Right, right. So basically, for yeah. our listeners' sake, I mean, they have pre-planned many people in the audience to say yes i want to get baptized and they justify it by saying well you know if if other people are kind of on the fence and they need to get baptized well if they see a bunch of other people committing to the same thing then maybe that'll be what it takes to kind of get them Mm -hmm. to cross the line and i mean it's just those sorts of things i just it it just it just amazes me and i and i just can't understand how people uh, can can follow that sort of thing. And I, so when I see those sorts of things and I see such misguided practices, I can't help but to speculate and, and come to the stark reality of, I don't, I, I'm, I, there's a one big old question mark on who he is as a person, who he is mm-hmm. as a family man, who he is as a friend. And, and I know this sounds very mean-spirited, very divisive, but I think that should be okay for a fellow human being to say, look, what you're giving us sure as hell doesn't look good. So, you know, yeah. it, it really is none of my business what kind of husband he is, what kind of father he is. And I'd like to guess that he, maybe he has the, the family part, uh, you know, maybe he's uh, who, maybe he's a little better than me. You know, maybe he's a better fa- I I just, I don't know and I don't really care, but it does give me reason to like have a big old question mark on who he is as a person uh in in front of people behind the scenes and all of that and and i think to myself how long is this going to last like if if it's as unhealthy as it looks like what's going to happen that 
blows the whole thing up i mean is it is it something that he's going to get uh caught doing or is he extremely wise enough not to do something you know like mark driscoll did with the uh you know mark driscoll had the new york times uh basically manipulated the system to be a bestseller Mm -hmm. you know is it going to be something like that or it just uh i i I seriously do wonder how how long is is stephen furtick at elevation era gonna last uh, will he be able to do what I think he says he wants to do, and that's become an old man and pastor the church until he dies? Isn't that kind of his? Doesn't he say that, or have you never heard him say that? I mean, I've never heard him say that, but I don't think that that would be his full intention. Yeah, I think that um, what Furtick wants to do is um, kind of, and this is going to sound a lot darker than I mean it, but like in a business sense, kind of take over the world yeah. of uh, Christianity. I think that. It wouldn't surprise me if we see, um, I mean, the way of cables going, but if we saw, like, an elevation channel. Yeah. Like, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we see a whole network jump up around that. And um, similar to the way that Hillsong has so many different points all over the earth that where their name is, is big, um, it wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing that with elevation, but specifically in the United States and North America yeah. first. Yeah, and, and, so. and I will say this, and a lot of our listeners will disagree but when you say something like that, I do think that he, as well as his staff, they're convinced that that's like the right thing to do. Well, of course yeah. we've got to do this because our message is working. We see it every day. We yeah. see lives change. So obviously, the more people that hear about Elevation and the more people that has access to his messages, the better for God's kingdom. But so I do believe that, but I, I have to speculate and wonder, are there times when Stephen Furtick, like when the, when the dust settles, or it probably never settles, but when, when he's able to slow down and think, like, is there something in him that's saying, dude, some of this stuff just isn't right and you know it. But just like I have those real thoughts and they're true about me, like I, I, I will mm-hmm. think thoughts, man, this isn't right. I just go about my business it's it's too much to think about, too much to deal with, and there are times when I ignore big time problems that I have and need to be corrected, but I just go about my life. Like I wonder if he has that sort of checks and balance internally, and I, I guess I'll always if wonder. He does <laughs> if he does from the outside, it seems more like he's uh, comfortable with the idea that the ends justify the mean, the means justify the yeah. end. I should say. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, his staff would, um, depending on who they are, would probably not even question. And if they did, they would probably come to the same conclusion. Now, I think I have heard um, some rumors. I had a, after I posted that comment, I had a couple, a bunch of people actually message me. But I had a couple <laughs> people who uh, either are contractors for Elevation or there was a guy that worked there for like eight years that messaged me. And a lot of the people that. Um, and this is all just hearsay, but some of the people that were like very, very good in the church, people that I would, uh, I would believe that they were a good person in their heart, a lot of them left. Um, and apparently, uh, there was one guy in particular who was very, very kind to me named Joel, and apparently he left and it wasn't a very good leave yeah. after being there for like over, like almost a decade, I think. Um, so whether or not something's happening internally, I can't speak to that, but I will say this when I, when I go onto their, um, website i don't see a lot of faces that i recognize anymore right. and, and and please any human being listening to this you gotta lend credibility to that like 
once once there's people and uh you know my friend matt experienced uh mars hill as you know the onset of it disintegrating and i mean he literally said he was like joey you know what am i supposed to do when the hundred people that i really respect really think fondly of have you know invest some of them invested in my life people i truly think have integrity 99 of them are gone and mark driscoll's mm-hmm. the last one there am i supposed to side with driscoll at that point and say all these 90 yeah. the, the rest of the 99 are dumbasses and just couldn't figure it out <laughs> and so you know like you said i mean once 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 a lot of the and i'm putting the quotes up once a lot of the good guys and girls uh start leaving you got to start thinking to yourself okay that's worth really thinking about investigating and and making some making some informed decisions and i mean it's like it's like too it's it, you know i i want to open the door for people to uh write me joeysfensonbc at gmail.com if you have good things or bad things to say about elevation and it almost sounds like i'm trying to i mean for sure i, I could i could understand why a lot of christians would hear this and say like what what in the world what are you trying to do uh, with mm-hmm. with elevation, are you trying to hurt it or anything? And, and here's how I would answer: I really do care about the church. Like I, I, you know, the church is all over the earth, and if if there's something that I that I see as long as as well as thousands, millions of other people see something wrong about a specific ministry or a, a, a pastor or something. Let's talk about it because we care, not mm-hmm. because we don't have anything else better to do. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the root of good criticism is love. Right. Is that you you care about something and you want to make it better. You want to make it correct. Right. And when something's off track, everyone can see it, whether they're in it or not. Sure. Do you think that? I mean, would would you be shocked if uh, if if you know this went viral and basically Furtick stood up on a Sunday morning and basically said, "I have been in error since the beginning of this church. Uh, I have been full of pride. I have um, you know." masked uh ambition with the cause of the gospel when it actually has been about my name getting out there and just basically uh, recanted a lot of his methods and actually uh, I, I guess to to get super churchy repented in front of his congregation and and got that video out would that would that just shock you or would you be like oh that kind of makes sense that would shock me to the point that I would think he was doing it to cover something else up. <laughs> like, that is one of those things that is so outside of the realm of my imagination. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine something. That would be, like, um, be like earth-shattering news to me, wow. if we're going to be honest. Yeah. So, I don't... Uh, and and just, just from the PR stance, you know? Like I, like I said, behind the scenes, I don't know what's going on. He could be totally different now. The whole atmosphere could be totally different. He could be... He could sell his shoes and give the money to the poor and walk barefoot for the rest of his life, and I wouldn't know it. Right. But um, it, for in terms of a public thing like that, uh, I I would be floored. Yeah, yeah. Well, James, this has been great, man. Do you have anything else you want to add, or you know, give any more information that I didn't ask, or um, you know, take back anything you said, or make sure your intentions are clear, or anything? I'll give you the last word. Yeah, I guess I uh, I guess I want to say this is that like uh, when stories like this come out from people who've worked in the church and especially people who are no longer in the church, um, nine times out of ten the intention is not to hurt people. It's not to cause division or to cause 
a bunch of people to turn their backs on uh, their religious beliefs or anything. It's it's simply to highlight that these things shouldn't be happening in an organization that claims what the church claims. Um, and so from a person who uh, is outside of it but still cares about it very deeply, um, I don't know, just, just watch who you follow um, and compare it to whether or not uh, any of the 12 would follow that if Jesus acted that way. Would he have attracted as many followers? Would Christianity have been as successful as it had been if the early church fathers had acted the way that celebrity pastors act now? And um, whatever answer you land on, I don't know, just be honest with it. And uh, yeah, do good, I guess. Awesome. James, I appreciate it. We'll end it there. <laughs>